0: is the message for today. Good morning, thank you, Drew and Cheryl. Uh, If you've got a Bible there, it'd be great if you could turn with me to Genesis 18 as we carry on the next installment of Abraham's story. Uh, If you haven't got a Bible, uh, don't worry, I think the words should be on the screen. So we're now looking at Genesis 18, verses 16 to 33. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, Treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, If I will not do it, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, For the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. If you could ask God one question, And you knew that he would answer you. I wonder what it would be. Well, we just heard here that Abraham has had this amazing opportunity to speak to the Lord. And the question that he asks of God, which is right at the heart of this passage, is, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will God do what is right? That's Abraham's question. And I'm sure that's a desire that all of us would have, whether we believe in God or not. If there is a God, we would want him to do what is right. We would want him to act justly. It's a human instinct to want justice to be done. We cry out for it, just as there is an outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah here in this passage because of the wicked things that are being done there. When people do wrong, we expect them to be punished. We expect that there will be consequences for what they've done, that they won't just get away with it. At the same time, we also expect innocent people who haven't done anything wrong, not to suffer and not to be punished, because that's not fair if the innocent suffer. And this is what our justice system is supposed to do. It's supposed to punish the guilty and protect the innocent. But that requires our human judges to do what is right, to make the right judgment. And when the right judgment is not made, there's an outcry. Nearly 30 years ago now, a group of six men from Northern Ireland were released from prison after nearly 17 years of serving a punishment for a crime they did not commit they were known as the Birmingham Six and when something like that happens we call it a miscarriage of justice and we know instinctively that that's not right we know that when justice has been done or when it hasn't been done and when it hasn't been done we cry out my children can smell an injustice from a mile away especially when it involves their brother or sister They know when things are done right or when they're not done right. And they let us know about that as their parents. And what Abraham wants here in this situation is for God to to show justice. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Now, notice that his question is not whether there should be judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah, But should that judgment include those who are innocent? Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He asked God. If our human judges are to punish the guilty but protect the innocent at the same time, then surely the divine judge, the judge of all the earth, should be able to do the same. So will God, the judge of all the earth, do what is right this is what abraham expects of god why is that why does he expect god to do what is right well because abraham knows what god is like look again at verse 19 of chapter 18 the lord says i have chosen him abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the lord by doing what is right and just. What does it look like to keep the way of the Lord? Well, you do what is right and just because that's who God is. He is a God of justice. Justice is right at the heart of who God is. We read in Psalm 99 that the king loves justice. He does what is just and right. Deuteronomy 32, says of God, his work is perfect, all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. So Abraham's argument here to God is based on his knowledge of God, on his knowledge of God's character and God's ways. He expects God to act in line with who he's revealed himself to be and what he expects of others. Nobody likes a hypocrite, do they? It's somebody who who says one thing, but does the opposite. In the last month or so, we've seen two government medical advisors having to step down because they didn't follow their own advice about the lockdown. They said one thing, but they did the opposite. And Abraham desperately wants God not to be a hypocrite, to say one thing about justice and wanting people to follow the ways of justice, but not to do it himself. And he gets very passionate about this. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. So, will God do what is right? in this situation. Well we'll find out shortly. But this exchange between the Lord and Abraham reveals some other important things about God. And it helps to dispel some of the stereotypes that have been built up about God, particularly the God of the Old Testament. Some might say that he is a distant God. That he stands aloof. From his creation that that he he perhaps made the world but since then he he's just stood back and allowed us to get on with things without intervening well that isn't the case because we see here very clearly that god shares his plans with abraham he asks a rhetorical question in verse 17 shall i hide from abraham what i'm about to do and the answer is no he, he's not going to Hide his plans, he's going to share with Abraham why he has come down, what his plans are. And he shares with Abraham, not on the basis of Abraham's worthiness, but on the basis of the promises that he's already given to Abraham. In other words, he shares with Abraham on the basis of grace, not because Abraham deserves it because god has shown him grace god doesn't condescend to speak with abraham share his plans with abraham because abraham is great but because god is going to make abraham great so he's not distant but is he deaf he might speak but does he listen many think that that god doesn't listen that you could cry out to him and ask him for things but at the end of the day he he's not going to listen to our prayers but well again from this passage we can see that that is not the case because he listens to prayer that's what Abraham is doing here he's petitioning God he's making requests of God that's what we do when we pray now Abraham knows just what a privilege it is to be able to speak to God in prayer, because he knows who he is. He knows that he is made of dust and ashes. But he also knows who God is. He knows that he is the, the good and gracious and just God. And knowing who God is gives Abraham the boldness to speak to him even though he's just dust and ashes, he has boldness to speak to God because of his knowledge about God's character. And amazingly, God listens. The Lord answers Abraham's prayer. And the Lord agrees that even if there are only 10 righteous people in the cities, that God will not destroy those cities for the sake of the ten. Now, we don't know how many people lived in those cities. Well, I'm guessing that ten is a very small percentage of the overall population. Which brings us on to the next point. Uh, Isn't God, and especially the God of the Old Testament, a God of damnation? Isn't he a damning God that he'll take any opportunity to smite people For the smallest sin. Well, no, he isn't, because we see here that he withholds judgment, that he is willing to spare the wicked for the sake of the righteous. He's willing to spare the whole city, even if there are only 10 righteous people there. And God doesn't act on impulse. Some might think of God like that, that he just throws down lightning bolts from heaven at will but no in fact the old testament says that god takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked we read that in ezekiel you know it's passages like genesis 19 when taken out of context that build up this picture of, of the god of the old testament being full of fire and brimstone a god of of damnation and and destruction but the very passage that we might think builds a stereotype actually dispels the stereotype because we see here that the lord is slow in bringing judgment in verse 20 we saw that the lord says he has come down to see if what is being done is as bad as the outcry that has reached him Now, God doesn't need to come down to earth to see this because He's God. He knows all things, He sees all things. But what He is showing Abraham and us is that He acts on the basis of evidence, just like a human judge. God's judgments are based on evidence. He wants to see if this outcry that has come to Him is as bad. And And he actually waits until the point is reached when judgment becomes inevitable. When the wickedness has grown so great that judgment has to be done, and the wickedness has to be punished. And often there is a delay in that point being reached, not because God doesn't care about evil and wickedness, but he wants to leave. As much time as possible for people to change. He says, if they, if what they're doing in Sodom and Gomorrah is not as bad as the outcry suggests, I will know. And there's the suggestion there that there could be a last-minute reprieve. If things aren't as bad as this outcry suggests, then perhaps God won't bring judgment. So hopefully, you can see that the stereotypes. That you might sometimes hear about God aren't true. He is not distant. He's not deaf. And he's not daring. He's a God who shares his plans. He's a God who listens to prayer. And he is a God who withholds judgment until the last possible moment. And he's the same God today. He still shares his plans with those that he has given his promises to. He still listens to prayer when we pray to him in jesus name and he still withholds judgment he is slow in bringing judgment he is patient now let's go back to the question that abraham asked will not the judge of all the earth do what is right now you need to read genesis 19 to find uh, the answer to that question and we don't have time to read it now so why not after the service have a look at Genesis 19 for yourself but well, I'm going to give you the answer uh, I'm going to tell you the the ending of the story and yes God does do what is right the two angels who are with the Lord uh, when the Lord appears to Abraham they go down to Sodom and Gomorrah and they see for themselves what's going on In the city and they see just how widespread the depravity and the wickedness in those cities is they see that everybody is involved in this depravity one commentator says the sins of sodom that are revealed here in genesis 19 include pride self-satisfaction self-indulgence Lack of concern for the poor and needy, arrogance, and sexual immorality. That's quite a list. And it's this evidence that tips the balance and makes judgments inevitable. That judgments arise at daybreak, that the sun comes up and burning sulfur comes down from heaven. It destroys the whole plain and everything in it, except for, uh, for one little town uh, where, where Lot is permitted to flee with his family. So justice is done. The guilty are punished, but the innocent are also protected because Lot and his family are rescued. Now, there are some vital lessons that Genesis 19 teaches us which we need to listen to and we need to listen to these lessons because our future depends on it. We've been given a lot of messages at the moment, aren't we? A lot of advice is coming from the government and from scientists telling us how we should respond to the coronavirus. Uh, We've had to take a lot in uh, just in this last week, new messages and trying to decipher them and, and understand What they mean for us and for our families. Well, here's another message for you this morning. But this message doesn't just regard your physical health and your life in this world, it regards your spiritual health and your eternal life. So it's vital that you listen. And the first lesson that we can take from Genesis 19. Is that God's judgment is real? It's no joke. When Lot warns his future sons in law that this judgment is coming on Sodom, did you notice what they did? They thought he was joking. They didn't take the warning seriously. And as a result, they perished. Now, if you're not used to hearing messages like this, about judgment I appreciate it It could be hard to take seriously we might scoff at the idea of judgment we might think well isn't that what they believed back in the dark ages you know fire and brimstone coming down from heaven we're so much more enlightened now aren't we we don't have to fear that kind of stuff anymore but God's judgment is real and all of us need to hear this warning You know, there is a virus in our world that is far more deadly than COVID-19. And it's a virus called sin. Sin has spread from one generation to the next. And wherever sin has spread, it has brought death and misery. And at the heart of what sin is, it is a rejection of God. A rejection of The judge, the the judge who sets the standards of how we should live, the the judge who is in control of this world. And and we've rejected him. We've we've rejected his standards and we've rejected his rule over our lives. And we've done things our own way. And, And when we've done that, invariably it involves bringing misery to ourselves and to others and bringing Judgment on ourselves. You see, nobody is truly innocent. The Bible makes that very clear. In the New Testament, we read that there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is nobody who does good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of God's standards. And because of that, we are guilty before a just and righteous god and we deserve punishments and if we were not punished then justice would not be done and there'd be an outcry there'd be an outcry against us just as an outcry here in genesis against sodom and gomorrah because justice requires punishments people who do wrong can't just get away with it So when we read about the judgment that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah, it should point us forward to a future judgment, to our judgment. This is the warning that Jesus himself gives in Luke's gospel. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day. That Noah entered the ark and then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this, Jesus says, on the day the Son of Man is revealed, on the day. Of judgment. Remember those men in Sodom. Who when when Lot warned them of future judgment, that they thought he was joking. They thought that judgment was a joke. Don't be like those men. And Jesus also says, "Remember Lot's wife." Remember not only the those that died in the city. But remember, the one person who escaped from the city, who escaped from judgment, and yet still died. Because Lot's wife looked back. She looked back to Sodom and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And Jesus says, Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will preserve it. The fact that judgment is real and that it is coming, should make us want to to change, to change the way that we live, to turn away from our old life and the things that we used to do, and to start living a new life. The Bible calls that repentance. What we shouldn't do is what Lot's wife did, and to look back. And this is a warning that we need to take seriously but we also need to hear that there is a way of escape and there's a way of escape because God is merciful and we see God's mercy really clearly in Genesis 19 amidst all the judgments there is also mercy now Lot is actually hesitant to leave Sodom even though he knows that it's going to be destroyed he's hesitant to leave but God is merciful on Lot the angels grab hold of him and his family, and they they pull them out of the city just before the burning sulphur comes down. And why uh, why was Lot rescued and his family? It was because God was merciful to them. Now, all of us have an instinct for justice to be done. But when it comes to ourselves and our position before God, What we really want is not justice, but mercy. And your mercy is not something that a human judge could give. A human judge cannot let the guilty person go free without being punished for their crime in some way. That would be flouting the law. A human judge has to stick to the letter of the law in order to be just. And do what is right so the question that that we need to know is can God be just but also show mercy because if God did what it was what was right if he did what was just when it comes to us then he would have to punish us but God chooses not to do this God chooses to show us mercy And that's because God is big enough and powerful enough and so full of goodness and grace that he wants to extend mercy to us. But does God act unjustly if he were to show us mercy? Does that mean that he leaves sin unpunished? Well, no, God is able to be just and to be merciful at the same time. How is he able to do that? Because Jesus, his perfect Son, died on the cross for us. The innocent one was was punished in the place of the guilty, so that the guilty, us, could be protected from God's judgment. The cross of Christ is all the proof that we need that God will do. What is right, that he is just and he is the one who can justify, who can make right those who have faith in Jesus. Judgment is real and we need to take it seriously. But the way of escape is also real and we need to take it. And if we take that path of salvation that begins at the cross, then we can be sure that we will be safe from judgment forever. Why was Lot rescued from Sodom? Was it because he was good? Was it because he was righteous? No, not really. He doesn't really give a very good account of himself in this passage. No, God was merciful to Lot. But also, God remembered. And he didn't remember Lot. He remembered Abraham. Lot was brought out of this catastrophe that befell Sodom because God remembered Abraham. And the story of Sodom and Gomorrah begins with Abraham and it ends with Abraham. God didn't remember Lot. He remembered Abraham, who had prayed for Lot, who had interceded for Lot, who had acted as a go-between, praying on behalf of the righteous and the innocent. And God answered Abraham's prayer. God answered Abraham's demand for justice. And the good news for us is that we have somebody even greater than Abraham interceding for us. We have the Lord Jesus Christ standing in heaven before the judge of all the earth, and he is interceding on our behalf. and Jesus says to God he says will you do what is just will you do what is right because i have died for these people's sins and jesus can produce the evidence of his wounds he can say to his father i died in their place i was punished for their sins so you cannot now punish them for sins that I've already died for. You have to now show mercy upon them. You have to allow the guilty to go free because the, the judgment and the punishment has already been paid. I paid it for them. And because Jesus prays on our behalf, because he intercedes for us before God. We don't need to fear condemnation. We don't need to ask, well, what if at some future point I mess up and I fail? Will God at that point strike me down? Will, will he judge me for some future sin? Well, no, the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that no is emphatic not now not in a week's time not at any point either in your life on this planet or even in eternity there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus because jesus has paid the punishment for our sins the innocent was punished to the guilty could go free. And that means we can be rescued from the trials of this life and also the final judgment at the end of our life. On the 26th of December 2004, John Croston was enjoying a day on the beach with his family in Thailand and he was out swimming in the sea And he noticed that there was a strong undercurrent. And then he noticed that a large lagoon quickly drained of of water and that there was the keel of a fishing boat wedged in the sand. And he knew instantly what this meant. And so he rushed up the beach, shouting out to everybody, Tsunami! And he urged people to flee from the beach to escape the destruction. That was coming, this wave that was about to hit. And when that wave did hit, it brought devastation and death to a vast area around the Indian Ocean. Hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives, people who were living life, who were enjoying uh, the festive holiday, people who were alive and laughing one moment and the next moment the wave came and there was no warning people didn't know that this was going to happen the wave came out of nowhere and destroyed everything i pray that the the story the true story of sodom and gomorrah would be like that man running up the beach, crying out tsunami, urging people to flee, I pray that that this would be a warning for you and that you would listen to that warning, that you would take this seriously and you'd also take seriously the escape route, that the way out of this judgment. We can trust God to do what is right. We can trust that he will punish those who have done wrong. He will not allow the guilty to get away with it. But he offers mercy to those who trust in Jesus. Let's just take a moment to pause, maybe to consider where we're at this morning before God. And let's pray together. before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. And Lord Jesus, because our names are graven on your hands and because our names are written on your heart, and because we know that you ever live to intercede for us, standing in heaven before the judge of all the earth, that no tongue and no power can make us depart from the presence of God. Nobody can now accuse us if we're in you, if we're trusting in you for our salvation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this future judgment that will come, that, that Sodom and Gomorrah points us forward to, it will not come upon us if we trust in you. And I pray that each one of us listening to this message this morning will take that way of escape through Jesus. We'll trust in your mercy and we'll enjoy your grace and will be confident in your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing our final song together now, and the words will appear on the screen. If you know the song, then please join in. Uh, If you don't know it, then just listen to the the words and the music, and just think about uh, what this song is telling us about the hope we can have in Christ.